Well, I trust you've come ready to receive something special from God's Word. It's a joy for me to, I, it's always a, a joy for me to share God's Word, and I, I am honored to be here to spend the next couple minutes with you. So if you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We are continuing what Pastor, Be, Pastor Jim began this past week, and we're talking about the love chapter. We're talking about 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 13, and we're continuing our series on stronger families, but tonight... What I want to do is talk about eight degrees of separation. Eight degrees of separation. You know, in uh, 1979, a sightseeing, a sightseeing plane with 200 passengers left New Zealand towards Antarctica uh, to, to fly just to do some sightseeing. And unbeknownst to the pilots, somebody modified the coordinates by, by two degrees. Well, they took off and they began to fly, and as these Pilots have made this trip many, many times. They descended to 12,000 feet and to give the, the passengers a better look at the scenery. Well, see, what, what they didn't realize is that they were 28 miles off course, just two degrees, 28 miles off course. Well, as they descended and they were flying over just the, the, the white-covered ground, there's a phenomenon that happens in those types of sceneries where the white, from the, the, the white snow from the ground even goes up on the mountain. You can't even tell, which you can't tell where the ground actually is. Or they, you, as, a, as a pilot or when you're in the air, it looks like you're completely flying over land. What they didn't realize is they were in the direct path of a mountain. And as they continued to fly, they couldn't tell. They thought they were flying over land, but by the time the instruments picked it up, they went straight into the mountain and, and uh, crashed, the plane crashed and, and killed everyone on board. And it was about just two degrees. You know, can I tell you, all of us in relationships, in our marriages, friends, coworkers, you know, if we, if we allow just a couple of degrees to just completely sidetrack us from our marriage, from our, just the relationships all around us, we can head for destruction. Our marriages can head for destruction. And all it takes many times is just small corrections. I think sometimes we make it harder than it needs to be. I know I do sometimes. Make it harder than it needs to be. And sometimes it just needs to be a few corrections to get us back in line. How many know falling in love is the easy part? It's the staying in love that's the hard part. How many know what I'm talking about? Listen, <laughs> you know, I... I, tell this, I kiddingly tell this to people all the time, but I, I kind of mean it. You know, when you see, see me up on a platform as one of your pastors and I may be speaking or whatever, listen, I don't want you to think for one moment that, oh, you know, since Pastor Mark's on the platform, he's speaking to us, man, he's got it all down. He must have the perfect marriage. He's probably the perfect husband. You know, he walks in and the, and the kids throw roses at him. The wife jumps into his arms. You know, I wish I could tell you that it was always like that. Now, can I tell you, we fight for our marriage all the time. We fight, to, we fight against each other in our marriage sometimes. That's just part of it. But can I tell you, falling in love is easy, but staying in love. It's all about maturing in your love. And I have learned as I've gotten older, first of all, I will tell you, I mean this with all my heart. In fact, every time I do a wedding ceremony, I say this when I talk about the, the marriage relationship. I love my wife today more than I did over 23 years ago. But it all has to do with putting in the work. Putting in the work. It's easy to fall in love. It's easy to fall in love. I remember when I first met Anna uh, in 1992. And um, I remember going 
to her to house to visit her for the first time, and I was just in La La Land. I mean, I'm telling you, I was just all excited. I remember driving back home that day, and I saw a little kitten on this. This is a true story. Okay, just you'll know how how dramatic Pastor Mark is. Okay, so you know that. I was driving home after I left her house, and I was just all bubbly inside and all excited. I saw this little kitten, and I, I, I felt like it was lost, so I had to pull over and help it and, and get it, find a, a home for it, and I got it some food because I was just so emotionally wrapped up. I know I just probably lost a ton of man points with a lot of the guys in the house, but that's okay. That's okay. 23 years later, it's been awesome, and I married the most beautiful woman in the entire world, so it's all good. I win, all right? So... I just got some other points, too, so it's awesome. But when we fall in love, we get so wrapped up, and it's amazing. And it should be. It absolutely should be. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, a couple of degrees can take us off, off course, and we can, cause some, we can get into some, some serious problems. So tonight, just for a couple minutes, I want to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul... Paul declares that love is, when he's looking at the word love, as the most excellent way. That's how the King James Version uh, says it. And I love that. That love is the most excellent way. In other words, what he was saying in that is that love is above all the other gifts. He said, listen, you can talk like, like the angels. You can solve all the mysteries in the world. You can move mountains. But if you have love, you don't have love, it's worth absolutely nothing. And he uses 15 verbs, seven of them positive and eight of them negative, to talk about its actions and what love is and what love is not. And these characteristics that we want to unpack for a few moments, these are the things that, I, that, that, that help us, that we need to apply to, yes, our marriages, but really every, any kind of relationship. And Paul, during this time, he was very concerned. Paul was very concerned with the church. He was very concerned with the body of Christ or why he was always very, very intentional when he wrote his epistles, when he talked to the church, when he talked to different, whatever the case may be. He was very, very intentional. So he was addressing, addressing some things in the Corinthian church. And obviously there were some problems here that he had to address. And so my text, if you're following along in your Bible or on the app, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 says this, love is patient Love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Then the next verse I love, love never fails. This is an incredible dis- description of what we need to, to, to use as a map when it's talking about love. When we're talking about love for our, our spouse and love for in relationships that we have. So for the next few moments, if you'll allow me, there's eight, degree, eight things that can separate us. Eight things that can completely separate us. Now, I can't spend a lot of time on every one. I'm going to kind of go through a couple of them, but some of them I may spend a little bit of time on. So if you'll just bear with me, just put your seatbelt on. Listen, if you'll listen fast, I will preach fast. Because I know some of you are already just looking at Las Palapas menu right now and trying to order online, okay? So just hang on with me, okay? We'll get through this, and uh, uh, let's, just, let's go into God's Word. But number one, I want to talk about love does not envy. Love does not envy. You know, the most common destroyer of, of marriage relationship or friendships is not going to be anger. 
It's not anger. It's not uh, impatience or apathy or unkindness. It's going, to be, it's going to be envy. It's going to be envy. You know, the Bible says that love does not, does not envy. It's impossible to envy someone and love them at the same time. So what is envy? What, how can we have a definition of envy? And I began to think about this, and here's what, what I want you out of this particular point. This is the only thing you get. This is what I want you to hear about envy. It is, it's resenting God's goodness to others and ignoring God's goodness to me. It's resenting the great things that God has done in others and ignoring the goodness that God has done for me. What is the first thing that it says that love is patient? I'm so glad that God is, is a patient God. Can, thank God he is a, not God of the Old Testament, man. He, you, you messed up in the Old Testament. He was just like, you're gone. You know, see ya. You know, open up the ground, never to see you again. I'm so thankful that we're under a new covenant. God is patient. He gives us time to self-correct. Sometimes he gives us a little bit more time than others need. A lot more time than others need, but we have, because of God's patience and his love for us, he gives us time to self-correct. That's, that's what he's talking about here, and love does not envy. When we, what envy is, is resenting God's goodness to others, ignoring God's goodness to me. That's what envy is. The Bible tells us clearly that envy is behind so many sins. In James chapter 3, verse 16, it says this, For, for where you have envy and selfish ambition... There you find disorder and every evil practice. Every evil practice. Envy can make you power hungry. Envy can make you uh, rude. It can make you sarcastic, stubborn, unforgiven. It's not a pretty picture. Envy can do that to you and it can begin to destroy. And no one wants to be around somebody like that. It begins to destroy. Proverbs 14.30 says this. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. The wisest man that ever lived, Solomon, wrote that. I think we need to pay attention to that, that envy can be a cancer. I've often taught this in leadership, that the enemy likes to destroy from the inside out. The enemy loves to destroy us from the inside out. Whether it, I mean, you can really apply that to anything. A team, if he can get, get them to just not liking each other and conflict with inside the team, he can destroy from the inside out, sometimes that's even better than beating them on the court. Can I tell you, the enemy wants to destroy your marriage, your relationships with your kids from the inside out. And we've got to guard ourselves against envy. God, we have to guard ourselves against envy. Envy is not what Christ dis displayed, who gave up everything for us all. You can read cross-reference Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Envy is not what God, God wants for us. So love does not envy. Number two, love does not boast. Love does not boast. Now, Paul's word boast here in the Greek, this is the only place that this word is used in the, in the New Testament. But this very same word, you'll find this used consistently in the Old Testament. And it always refers to when someone is boasting on their own ability and forgetting about God. And every time that, that, that it is mentioned in there, it's, it's exalting themselves. It's exalting what they can do. It's exalting on their own talents and forgetting about what God deserves. Love does not boast. And you can really put uh, number two and number three together that love, is, love does not boast and love is not proud. Because when we are boasting about our love, when we are, are, are prideful in our relationships, 
when we are over, over self-confident in who we are, can I tell you the message that we are sending the other person? We're, the message we're sending the other person is, I don't need you. I don't need you. Whether it's intentional or unintentional, it may be because you just you like to do things by yourself and, and you're capable. It doesn't mean that, 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 you can, that the other person is going to steal that away from you. But listen, when we are boastful in our relationships, when we, are pride, when we allow pride to enter into our marriages, can I tell you the message that it sends to your partner, the message that it sends to your wife, to your husband, is that I don't need you. And when we begin to envy, even if it's just a little bit, when we begin to boast, when we begin to, to have pride inside of us, the degree we begin to see ourselves get off course. And we wonder why we wake up one day and we are miles and miles and miles apart. And then we're in, we're in an emergency. We're trying to pull up before we come into destruction. Oh, can I tell you, listen, it's about being almost monitoring these things in our life. Now, let me tell you, you're going to read this. I hope that you take this home and you read it and kind of pray over it and, and, and just ask the Lord to kind of just continue to, to deposit, download that into your mind. And you're going to probably say, well, man, Pastor Mark, those are eight of them. And I'm like, I like, I'm only good at, I only got one of them down. I've got seven I've got to work on. Listen, can I tell you, that is what maturing in love is all about. It's working on it. Don't listen. You are not going to walk out of this message. It's, I wish I could preach. I, I wish I could do an amazing message where you walked out and it's just done. You're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to work at it. And you might find that there's out of these eight things, there's five of these that you really have to work at. Then you have to do it. you got to make those course corrections. But love does not boast. It's not proud. Number four, love is not rude. Love is not rude. Any what's that? Bequeequees uh, fans out there? Okay, a few of you know who I'm talking about. Late night TV. Sorry, I must have stayed up late one night. Love is not rude. Love is not rude. You know one thing that we forget often. Let me just say one thing that I know I forget often is to say thank you. Sometimes we're not intending to be rude. Sometimes I'm not intending to be prideful or, or, or whatever the case may be, but sometimes I have to remind myself that, you know what, I need to say thank you to my spouse more often. I remember one time, in, in, I just began to reflect. It was at our, our 20th anniversary, and I was, I was just kind of reflecting 20 years. I mean, 20 years she's got to be with me. Her life must be incredible. You know, I was thinking about that. No, it's really the other way around. But as I was thinking about that, I began to think, you know, God, I hope that the next 20 years that I say thank you more often. I hope that the next 20 years that I, that I honor her more. I hope that I take that extra step and I do all these things. It's continuing to work at it every single day. But rude, no one, no one likes to be around someone who's rude. They, no one likes to be around someone who's rude. Some of us, we just need to self-correct that. That's an easy one that can be done. Number five, love is not self-seeking. Paul probably had in mind here the practice of putting oneself uh, in, in first in, in, instead of thinking of others. And that's the total opposite of what Christ modeled. 
Christ modeled just denying himself. Christ modeled leaving heaven. Christ modeled when he could have called 10,000 angels. He modeled putting himself second and putting those that he loved first. And love is not self-seeking. Love is not self-seeking. Many times we wonder why they are separating from us because we're only doing what benefits us. When our relationship is one way, when it, there's not a two-way street, where love is about marriage and relationships, it's about giving and receiving. Sometimes it's about surrendering, yielding, it's about all of that. It's continually working on this. But it's not self-seeking. It's not looking out for what I can get and what I can get only. And when we do that, we just continually damage the heart. And a lot of times, our spouse may not just come right out and tell us. I hope that beyond this message and really this series, as Pastor Jim continues to lead us through this, is that you begin to say, Lord, just take an inventory of my heart and these things. God, help me to, con- to, to live out those seven amazing things about being patient and kind. But, Lord, help me not to forget about these eight things that can separate me from my, from my spouse. Love. Number six, love is not easily angered. Love is not easily angered. Do you notice here that it says it's not easily angered? It doesn't say that love never gets ang- you never get angry in love. If you've been married for at least a month, I am sure that you have been angry at one time or another. You've been angry. That's just a part of it. That's just a part of it. Now, there's a right way to go through it, but that's a part of it. Love is not easily angered. And really, we have to think about the the grace of God when we talk about being easily angered. Because like I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon, God is slow to anger. And I am so glad that he is because I wouldn't be standing here right now if he wasn't. If God didn't have patience with me, I would be gone a long time ago. We need to follow the steps of Christ. We need to follow the steps of being patient in our love. That is a picture of grace that we give our, 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 our spouse, that we give the one that we love, the one that we love dearly that time to self-correct and help them along the way. Help them along the way. Now, listen, this is not the, ser- the, the message to, if you're sitting next to your husband or your wife, to just kind of poke them right now, okay? So don't, I see some of you wanting to do that. Like, you know, listen to the man, honey. Listen, listen to him. But this is something that we got to take home. And we've got to work on it every single day. But love is not easily angered. It's not easily angered. We have the greatest, greatest example in Christ. Now, there are going to be moments that we get angry. Paul, when he saw the idols in Athens, in, um, in, in, in Athens, he was just upset about that, how they were treating them in Acts chapter 17. You look at, at um, Christ in, in the Gospels where he saw the hardness of their heart and, of course, the money changers in the temple. There are going to be moments where we are going to be angry, but angry can, anger can get to a place that begins to separate us and just create a divide in our relationship. And that's what we're talking about. It is not easily angered. You are going to get angry in your marriage sometimes. It's going to happen. Oh, no, not me, Pastor Mark. We just love each other. We still, when we hang up, we still still do the, you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. (laughs) Whatever. You're in church, so you better not be lying. God's going to strike you down in here. If you're in a marriage, you're going to get angry at one time or another, okay? But it's how we respond to that anger is what's important in how we go through it. We need to always remember, 
where the anger can lead us to. But always remember God's grace and how he is slow to anger, that his love is patient for us. Number seven. Uh, this one's going to be hard for us. This one is difficult. But number seven, love keeps no record of wrongs. I'm going to ask the keyboards to go and join me. Love keeps no record of wrong. You know that uh, the ultimate test of love is when somebody hurts you. The ultimate test of love is when somebody hurts you. How are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? Are you, are you going to hold a grudge? Are you going to be resentful? Are you going to be full of bitterness? How do you handle when somebody hurts you? How do you handle that? In other words, here's what he's saying. Love doesn't keep record of wrong. In other words, love does not store up hurt. Now, let me be the first to say that's so easy to do and hard to take control of. But here's what Paul's saying. Listen, love doesn't store up hurt. It doesn't store it up and just kind of keep it in a, in a, in a place in your, in your closet, in your, in, your, in your life. You know the closet I'm talking about? You know when people come to your house and that you didn't know were going to show up? And you, you're yell, your, your wife yells out, put it in the closet when you got a mess and you're trying to act like you're all clean. And you know exactly what closet that is. You know, just throws everything in and you try to shut it to make sure it doesn't open up, bust open, all this stuff comes out. We all have a closet inside of us that we like to store hurt in. We like to store hurt in. It's just part of what we have to deal with in our human emotions in life. But listen, it says that love keeps no record of wrong. Love doesn't keep a grudge. Love doesn't store up hurt. And you know why, why so many times that that is so hurtful in a relationship? Because when we store up the hurt, can I tell you what we're really doing with it? We're, we're just kind of creating some ammunition inside of us. And what is ammunition used for? It's to hurt somebody. And you wonder why you go so far, you know, you, you, you make leaps and bounds in your relationship, and then all of a sudden you take about two years back probably because you've been keeping record of wrong and you've been storing up hurt and you've allowed that hurt to create ammunition and then you pull it out at the right moment and all ammunition is good for is to hurt somebody love that keeps no record of wrong we need to you know listen when it's with our spouse or even a good friend, we need to, when we see God doing something in, in their life, even though we feel like we feel like they don't deserve it, we need to applaud that. We need to rejoice in that. We need to be happy when God does something. And that may not come naturally to us. But if we keep storing up wrong, we're not learning to forgive. Oh, it's like a cancer. Here's what, here's, in addition to the first thing I said about envy, here's the other thing I really want you to take home. Forgiveness, talking about forgiveness. Forgiveness is not conditional. Forgiveness is not conditional. If you're going to forgive, you need to forgive with your whole heart and walk away and move on. Forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of the offense. You can forgive, there's still going to be hurt, and you need to deal with that through the body of Christ, through counseling, through obviously, first and foremost, prayer. But forgiveness is not minimizing the seriousness of what that other person has done. You still have to deal with it. And the last thing, it isn't picking up where you left off without change. Forgiveness is not just saying, okay, we've, I've, I, us guys, we probably wish it was like that, but it's not. 
guys, whenever we, we get upset at each other, you know, whether it's on, you know, we just give each other a high five and then we're good. It's over. Not, not ladies. Y'all don't do that. Not all of you, but some of you, you're going to hug for a little bit. You're going to go shopping. You're going to get some yogurt and coffee. OMG, it's going to be awesome. Guys, we're just different. We wish that we could just snap our fingers and, no. Forgiveness is not just picking up where you left off without changing anything. And some of you, that's probably why you find yourself in a rut. You're just in a circle. You're in a circle. You're just going in circles. You can't pick up where you left off. You have to change. You have to change. You know, in fact, why don't you stand with me tonight? We're going to dismiss. Just hold with me for a couple minutes, and I'm going to dismiss this in just a moment. You know, envy, envy occurs when we really don't, when we really don't know people intimately, when we don't have a very close relationship with them. You know, you can, you can see people's strengths from afar. You can see their success from a distance, and you begin to want that. <laughs> you can see that, but once, I mean... You know, you can see a handsome man from far distance. Mm, he looks, wow, he's fine. You can see a beautiful woman from afar off. Then they get close. And you see a big old, like, wart right here on their nose once they get close. Same thing. <laughs> you know... From afar off, we can, it's easy to envy, but when you get close to somebody and you begin to learn about them and you begin to discover their hidden hurts and you begin to discover their faults and you begin to discover the things that they struggle with and the things that they're, they're, they're tired of. And when you get close to them from afar off, it's easy to envy. But when you get close, when you really get to know the person, that's when you begin to discover their hurts and their pain. And that's an opportunity for the body of Christ, whether it's in your marriage relationship or whether it's in just a, in a godly relationship where you're just a brother and sister in Christ. We need to take care of one another. We need to take care of one another. You can't see their pain or hurt from a distance, but when you get close and you get to know them, it's going to happen. And what are we going to do with it? And that's exactly what Paul was trying to, to, um, to address says, keep no record of wrongs. Obviously, somebody must have been writing down the things that everybody in the church was doing wrong and showing Paul. And Paul was not just going to respond. He was, he was literally taking the things that he has been told, because you see this continually in his epistles, the letters. as he, he would go to a place and set up a church, and he would leave. And then he would get reports back, and then he'd address something back. So Paul, what we do know about Paul is that he was very strategic but he was also very keen to address things in the church in the body of Christ that needed to be addressed. So these things that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 were obviously happening and Paul was addressing them. So here's my, my encouragement to you. There are eight things that separate can separate us. Eight degrees of separation. There are seven that are awesome of what love is and eight things of what love is not. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, first of all, don't kid yourself. You're not going to pray twice and you're going to be a master at all eight. 
You're going to master them, okay? You're no longer, listen, God's going to help you. I'm not, I'm not saying that don't have faith, that don't hear what I'm not saying. But you got to work at it. you got to take your two feet. And sometimes you got to pick up the phone and you got to get in counseling. you got to do some practical things. Prayer first, believing in God first, absolutely. But sometimes we got to do some other things because we can't just go back and expect things to change. We have to change. So I just want to encourage you as you continue, as we continue to walk down this pathway of stronger families, as we continue to, to, to discuss this topic, let's just trust that God is going to begin to mend and restore relationships. Marriage relationships, friends that are godly friendships that have been torn apart for whatever re reason, family relationships. We need to do it by modeling what Christ gives us in his word. Amen. Amen. Are you gonna, let's, just, let's just commit that we're going to do our best at that. Amen. Why don't you just give the Lord a praise clap offering tonight for his goodness, for his word. Amen. Amen. I want to pray for you and, um, and then you, you'll be dismissed. But thank you for joining us tonight. I encourage you just, just hold, just stay close to God's word. Just align yourself with God's word and everything's going to be all right. And it'll be easy. It's not going to be easy, but everything will be all right. Would you bow your heads? Father, we love you and we thank you. Lord, you, you are so good to us. God, I am so grateful for your grace because I know, Lord, I don't deserve it. But it's not because I've earned anything. It's not because I deserve it. It is because you love us. And I thank you for that. And God, it's my prayer tonight that you would help us, dear Lord. You have clearly shown us in your word what love is and what love is not. And God, I know that there are areas that I even struggle with that I need your help and guidance. And God, I pray that you would give us grace, God, and guidance. And that we would respond, not just be a hearer of the word, but we'd be a doer of the word. So God, I pray that you would bless relationships tonight, that you would bless families tonight, that you would bless marriages tonight. And I pray as we all go our separate ways that we would not leave your presence. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise. And it's in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. God bless you. Go in the love of Jesus.